Hello and welcome. This is the Filmmakers Podcast. A podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up. In our very, very humble opinion, this is part two of our podcast with the wonderful, exceptional director, Neil Marshall. Oh, by the way, are there any Bros fans out there? Anyone love a little bit of Bros? When will I, will I be famous? Bros fans from the 80s, the boy band? I didn't say boy band, the band. Anyone? I'm sure there are. But if not, maybe you are now because you've watched the brand new Bros after the Screaming Stops documentary that was on over Christmas. If you watch that, you are in for a treat because on Tuesday, our podcast coming up is with the director of that very documentary that has had so much hype recently and it should do because it's absolutely marvellous. If you've not watched it, go watch it over the weekend and join us on Tuesday when Joe Perlman tells us how he made that with the Brothers Goss on the brilliant documentary, Bros After the Screaming Stops. Absolutely marvellous. And what a guy, by the way, Joe is. You're going to enjoy that podcast. On Tuesday, I mentioned about the new Make Your Film event. Uh, The link wasn't working straight away. Now it is. It's there. It's on the 29th of January. Myself and Dom Lenoir are hosting that. And we've got some amazing guests lined up for you. Basically, if you want to make your feature film, it is a live event where we're all talking about how we did that. And there's going to be a QA and a as well. Tickets are available. There is a Facebook page up. It is live. Just search Make Your Film 2019. You'll see myself and Dom and a rather loving embrace during a Winter Ridge screening recently. There you go. Uh, link is in the show notes. 29th of January. Head on down. I'll see you there. Can't wait. Okay, next week, Raindance have their Directing Fundamentals course. It's your introduction to the art and craft of directing for screen. Um, and this is with Simon Hunter this coming Thursday, the 17th of January. And you can get in for a tenner, which is normally 25 quid. The booking link is in the show notes. Oh, we're just full of discounts and courses and lovely stuff for you as filmmakers it's growing and I love it and I have one more and this is for you crowdfunders out there the people who are about to start a crowdfunder or have done one or are thinking about it there's a new platform called Greenlit it's run by Peter Storey he's a filmmaker himself and he set this up because he felt that some of the other crowdfunders weren't necessarily geared towards filmmakers Greenlit is specifically geared towards filmmakers and he is doing two courses which is basically a masterclass in how to get your crowdfunders going um so if you want to sign up for that link is in the show notes it's two sessions it's normally 60 quid filmmakers podcast discount 50 percent off so it's 30 quid uh, we're amazing at giving discounts yeah what can i say um so thank us for that and head on down there. I'm going to both sessions on the Thursday the 24th and Thursday the 31st. And you get both, by the way. It's from 6 till 8 p.m. Uh, it's also running the course again in February, but I'll tell you more about that then. But it's in London. Uh, link is in the show notes and you can find out all about it there. They're basically covering everything from what is crowdfunding, um, what marketing you need to do, what you need to do beforehand, during, after, and what makes successful ones and what doesn't. There you go, links in the show notes. It's called Greenlit. Go to greenlit.fund for all the information. The code to get 50% off this crowdfunding masterclass is FilmPod50. There you go, links in the show notes, FilmPod50. Tap it in when you go there, get 50% off. Now 30 quid instead of 60. 
Excellent. Uh, speaking of which, I'm starting my crowdfunder for Food for Thought, my vegan documentary. Unfortunately, uh, for Greenlit is before that starts, uh, so we're going to be on Kickstarter doing that. Otherwise, we will be on Greenlit, but we need to do it in February because we're doing post. We're getting very close to doing post. But I am going to LA next week to film more of uh, the Food for Hot documentary with Dan Richardson, and I cannot wait. Uh, we've got some amazing interviewees lined up for that documentary, and I can't wait to tell you more about that. So yeah, I'm going to be there next week, so I will be doing the intro from the beach on LA. Shall I do it from the beach? Shall I? All right, I'll do it from the beach. I just persuaded myself there was no one answering that. That was just to me, but I'm sure you all went, yeah, do it. That'll be fun. You won't hear me. You'll just hear the waves crashing. I went, you'll listen next week and I won't do it now. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've said it now. I'm going to do it. Fine, do it, do it. So before we get to the Neil Marshall podcast, some indie film shout-outs for you. They go too. And thank you very much for your support, everyone, by the way. Uh, special shout-outs go to Mark Leatham, Dan Knight, Simon Hunter, Brian O'Malley, thanks, brother, uh, Connor Burrow, Ian O'Neill from the How They Did It podcast, Easy Going Retreats. Uh, of course, I'm doing that course with them, the 10 Steps to be able to make your short film a success in april anyway but shout out to them because i've been wonderfully retweeting everything this week a uh, link for that event is in the show notes and to rain dance obviously as always film pipeline shout out to you as well cool right let's get to it so we just pick it up when we're talking about doomsday you'll you'll figure it out uh, i've sort of doubled back a tiny bit from the last ep enjoy i was already doing the deal for the next one at sundance when we were doing that so great um and the next one being Doomsday. Yeah. But that was, a, that was the case where, you know, I, I kind of got a stupid amount of money to make a very stupid film. Sure. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody would do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe but it, it was purely off the back of the descent. It was like, oh, you know, let's just give them some money to make a, a film. It was like, it's crazy? Ah, oh, whatever. Yeah. What? Because what, that's very stunt-orientated and you're in the sort of George Millery territory. Of what yeah. was a huge difference between your first two and now going to your third film? Well, that was a deliberate attempt for me to move away from horror yeah. and like go right. more sci-fi, more, you know, apocalyptic action. Yeah, action side. Yeah. And, and it was my big eighties homage movie of like all the best stuff from the eighties kind of thrown in there. All my favorite movies kind of referenced and homaged and such like. So, um, you know, it, it was a big toy box really for me to go and go. And we went to South Africa to do it yeah. where, you know, we had incredible production value. Um, it was a $28 million budget. I think we made something that looked more like a 50 to $60 million yeah, movie. For sure, yeah. The production yeah. value that you get down in South Africa. Mm. And we were able to build the vehicles and crash them and smash stuff up and blow everything up. Yeah. You know, it was great. Yeah. It was such such a laugh doing that. Yeah, and did you design, like you say, you had to storyboard those. Was it a case of thinking, oh, God, all right, this is a big budget. I've got to make these spectacle moments. Mm. Was, was that a worry for one, but... How did you do it? Uh, I don't know. I I totally <laughs> embraced the scale of it. I loved okay. doing the big, the bigger the better. Really, mm. I loved all that stuff. Yeah. Um. I, I don't recall ever being kind of daunted by that. I think I just really embraced it all. Um. But yeah, I storyboarded a lot more of that one. I think specifically the action sequences. Mm. But now, now you've got a bigger crew. Have you got like second unit directors or what? Substantial second unit. Yeah. Uh, Mark Wolf directed second unit. He's like, uh, I mean, he's mainly famous for being one of the greatest helicopter um, cameramen mm. in the world. Uh, but he wanted to do some directing, and I gave him a shot at second unit. He did a fantastic job. Mm. Yeah. So we had helicopter units. It mm. was it was a totally different kind of. You know, we kind of had everything we needed. Yeah. Most of all, time. You know, we had we had a pretty good chunk of time, 
And because we were down in Cape Town, we were kind of left to our own devices for a lot of it. But I don't recall feeling that we were short on anything down there. Also, like the crew, um, because the labor is really cheap down there, it's like you get five people for the price of one. So mm. um, I remember walking on the set the first day and it was just like, there's hundreds of people. <laughs> and you're like, what are all these people going to yeah. do? I know. What like, are they who, here? Who, who are they? What do they do? Like, What's your you know, role? Was, the crew is vast. Yeah. Um, and just because of that amount of the amount of labor to move things around mm. quicker, it's like things move yeah. pretty fast. So uh, yeah, it was just, it was a, just a really, really tremendous experience. And, and, you know, maybe one day somebody will uh, let me do it again, but you know. <laughs> so, so would it be right to say each experience was getting better each time? Or you, you I mean, it doesn't Different. sound like I mean, I, I, you know, I had a fantastic experience on Dog Soldiers. Yeah. Shooting Descent was a joy. Yeah. Um, shooting Doomsday was a blast. I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily getting better every time. It was just, yeah. You know, They're all good like, experiences, though. Yeah, all good experiences. Um, you know, there's been the, the odd, you know, creative difference along the way, sure. but nothing major. Yeah. How do you deal with those then in terms of, obviously you're the director and this would be interesting for our listeners is how you cope when someone studio wise or semi studio is saying, no, we don't want it like that. What's your way of um, dealing I with don't it? Know, I, I try and deal with it as diplomatically as possible. I mean, it's, mm. there's no point just stamping your feet and throwing a tizzy fit. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really impress anybody and you don't ultimately get what you want out of it. So, sure. um, I just try and be diplomatic and collaborative, um, you know, and hope everybody else is going to feel the same way. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, I mean, I was very, very lucky on these things. I did get a lot of creative freedom, um, especially on Doomsday. Um, you know, for better or worse. I was going to say, is what like, would you have preferred someone on your shoulder or never, or much prefer to just? No, I never prefer that. I just. Yeah. But no, no, no. Pre- I think I'd, you know, I'd, I'd say I'd, I'd rather learn from my own mistakes, and I'd, yeah. I'll stand by my own mistakes as well. Good. It's like it's. It, I just. I don't, don't want to. Uh, I don't want to take the blame for other people's mistakes, but I'll, sure. I'll take the blame for my own. Yeah, absolutely. But it's still a fantastic movie. Doomsday is a fantastic movie. Well, I, did, I love it. Doomsday is a movie that I'm incredibly proud of, and it's, has, it has seems like a, a growing fan base. Like mm. every year, more and more people are like Doomsday. Oh, we love that. But obviously, you know, at the time, it was a commercial and critical failure on a big way. So it was that after the heights of the descent, it was quite. How a was that? How was that? I, was it? Was there? Could you feel the hit of like, oh, I haven't got the the love I had with the descent? Oh, but, oh yeah, totally. Was, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it felt like a kick in the teeth. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think it was probably the best learning experience I could have got as a director of like, I think you need to, I think you need to have at least one failure just to kind of learn something from it. You yeah. Know? What do you feel um, you learned from it? Uh, I learned, oh, I certainly, as far as like editing and staging is concerned, like I, I, I Doomsday is in many places massively overcut. I got okay. carried away with the edit for sure. <laughs> well, you feel it was too fast? Yeah. You, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, I think it's like listed as one of the, like the, movies with like the most amount of edits in it really um it's up there with like you know a transformers movie or something like that it's like oh. frenetic editing at times Can you, oh. were you inspired going into that was there anything that you were, was there a style that you were i mean like, you can feel the car well, yeah, yeah. yeah there's the obvious ones definitely but was there anything else things. you were there's also yeah. there's excalibur there's yeah. mad max there's escape from new york yeah um, yeah, they're all in there. Yeah. We didn't necessarily film it in those styles, although th- the references are obvious, yeah. but we kind of brought our own visual style to it. Um, I think it sounded an amazing job. It's a beautiful film. Mm, it's beautiful. It um, is. and I, you know, but, I, but I do look back and think, okay, well, maybe the story 
could have been a bit better refined or some things could have been clearer, but mainly the editing was like, okay, I, I overcut it and I need to just like calm down a little bit and, and, and direct rather than edit, you know, in, yeah. in some sense mm -hmm. of like let a scene play out. It's probably a little bit as well, uh, a little bit ahead of the game in that that sort of nostalgia genre mm. is uh, much more, it's, there's an audience for it now, whereas I think right. back Again, then yeah. it's it was uh, it was like oh it just feels like other films. Whereas I think now we are more accepting that oh it's a nod to that, it's a nod to that. It's a, you know yeah. Again, took a while. You were ahead of the curve. Again, I mean this is <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was before um, uh, the the Grindhouse thing yes. came out, which yeah. was like very much the same kind of vibe. Mm. Um, but you know that kind of got critically praised for it, whereas we got critically <laughs> lambasted for doing yeah. the same thing. You know, it is what it is. I, I'm still very proud of it, and you know, it still plays, and the audiences still like it. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's still the great thing is, it's still a uh, piece of work to be really proud of. It sits really well in your filmography, so it's not yeah. like one you have to yeah. like r run away from. So from that, then, conscious um, of time, Centurion, yeah. which yeah, uh, I, I had the, well, I had the yeah, and it was taking it was taking the lessons learned from uh, Doomsday to apply them to Centurion, and yeah. and, and you know, and, and I think that's a. a in some ways, it's possibly the sort of the, the best directed film in in terms of a lot of the stuff that I've done. Mm. Um, did you did you, like say you'd learnt from Doomsday and said, okay, well, I'm going to do it this way, or was it more of yeah, absolutely, yeah, um, okay. of, of knowing to you know let let the actors play out a scene and just just shoot it and and, and let the scene run and not necessarily think, oh, I'm going to cut here, cut there, cut there. Mm. Especially mm. if a scene involves comedy, I found that like. Comedy is so much about timing anyway, sure. and let you know let the actors find that timing. If you fuck around with it in the edit, you might mess it up. So if you can play it out in a in a in a wanna, mm. um, yeah. and it works, in, and it's working when you're shooting it, then it's like don't mess with it. You know, just let it play out. It's mm. just natural timing. Um, so that was like that was a great learning curve, and and you know, there's moments in centurion where i do just like i just don't cut the you know don't cut just let it play mm -hmm. and shoot stuff in a one and then um uh other times for the action stuff where yeah you get a bit more frenetic and such like and so um that was that was a big learning thing right. and just i think maybe just learning to rein myself in and just you know be a bit more humble rather than get a little, get so carried away okay which i did on doomsday but, okay um That's but it was but it was it was another amazing shoot mm -hmm. amazing cast difficult shoot you know we were shooting in kind of sub arctic temperatures in the middle of scotland in the mm -hmm. snow and um you know it's difficult throwing people into rivers and stuff like that but it's a chase movie as well isn't it? so you a lot of location changes yeah a lot of exteriors yeah so you know it, it used to when i wrote it it was a lot more of a character piece yeah mm. and the, uh, the the producers involved like sort of talked me out like got me to whittle down that to make it more mm. of a chase action movie yeah i think it suffered for that i think yeah i think it suffered a bit for that i think i would have liked some of the, it, it would still have been the action chase movie yeah. but i wanted that character stuff in there mm. and maybe when you sort of see, so but as it stands now is it, is it still a piece of what you're really proud of and it's one of your oh, yeah yeah you still it's right up there yeah yeah again i think you know it looks beautiful the production design the photography looks stunning you know where we shot scotland and mm. things looks looks incredible and we got you know i i was very you know proud of the performances again it was like like uh descent like doomsday you know the very very strong female character in there um a villain this time but like still you know, mm. interesting and um you know, very very proud of that yeah and the cast was obviously michael fassbender dominic west mm. olga kurilenko as you mentioned as your lead baddie if you like um noel clark and riz ahmed how are you working with actors? Because that's, you know, each time you've seemed to have made projects, 
cast have got stronger and bigger if you like in terms of names and what's working at the time um how do you find working with i think i'm okay okay um, you have to ask them that uh, <laughs> how do you like to work with them do you do, you do i like working with them a lot and I, I especially love collaborating with them you know i like mm. I love it when, you know, they're bringing as much to the table as you are and, you know, you, and you, you find those characters together. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real pleasure working with collaborative actors. Yeah. How do you, how do you deal yeah. with, you have to name names, but how do, cause we've, we've been there. How do you deal with difficult actors? Cause there's always, you know, there, cause your films have, you've got a lot of, um, uh, you've had a lot of ensemble casts. Yeah. I've been there myself where you've got, I've got to juggle five actors in a scene and it's, you know, there's, um, to be I don't honest, say ego been, sounds I've, mean, but there's a lot you've got to consider. You know who, who you do, doing. and it's like some you know some some people get shirty if you don't mm. shoot them first. And some people prefer mm. to be shortly. You know, I think mainly it's just like you know first of all just talk to everybody. Like you know if there's anybody who desperately wants to be shot first, we'll do that. Yeah. If there's anybody who'd rather you know go let, go later, we'll do that because everybody every single one of them is different, and um, it's just kind of trying to respect what they want as much as getting what you want. Mm. Um, so it's, a, it's, it's always a political game working with actors. It's always, you know, but for the most part, I've been very, very lucky. Everybody's been very collaborative and, and into it. And, and yeah. you know, through difficult circumstances, quite often physical difficult circumstances. Because yeah. you know, um, the other problem... I've not really had any massive fallings out with cast or anything like that. Yeah, it's great. So at this point in your career, if I'm wrong, you seem to be... You've, they're all, they've all been your babies thus far, mm-hmm. but now you're starting to jump into stuff where you're getting director for higher stuff. Because I remember chatting to you, just jumping back mm-hmm. uh, many years ago. Neil was a part of a sort of group of filmmakers that would meet up and go for dinner. One of which I I was a, I would join every now and then. Uh, you were lucky enough to be invited. lucky enough to be invited. <laughs> but actually, I do remember you know you were you were absolutely leagues ahead of anybody else, but very gracious, and you invited us all to go and see the Centurion. And I think a lot of directors in your position at that time would have been like, "Well, I'm a bit above this this group of chatty filmmaker wannabe idiots." But you were very nice, which I always remember as you know a great thing. I think anyone else would have been like. I'd get hang out my Hollywood pals, but uh, yeah, it's very kind of you to invite us all along. <laughs> and I remember sitting next to you, or very, like, maybe one seat away from you, while we were watching Centurion, thinking, "Really hope this is good. It's going to be so awkward." But it was luckily. So because I was good. sitting two seats away from you, going, "God, I really hope this is good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know this guy. I don't think it sucks. I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to get rid of these. I'm going to these filmmakers. Yeah. I don't know what to think." <laughs> but I remember we were chatting, and I was sort of picking your brains at the time, and you were getting a lot of, or not. You were certainly being courted to direct some films you might want to not say some of these well, but I had, I had been, Elm Street was one you'd had a meeting for yeah, Elm Street I met on a whole bunch of stuff I met I had big meetings Predators. for Predators yeah. for Elm Street I was um, I was in line to do Sherlock Holmes really mm-hmm. uh, for a while but yeah. I, I, I couldn't commit to it because I was still on post on Doomsday at the time yeah. right. um, but I managed to bring Mike on board and, and he ended up writing it so mm-hmm. that worked yeah. out well and yeah, there was a few, a few things along the way. Things I've been chasing. The, the you know, and you got. I always got. I got the sense you were quite close on predators at one point. Would that be right? I or? think I was down to the last two. I think. Yeah. I mean, I know I went to to Texas and hung out with uh, with Rodriguez for a while, just yeah. just to see how we kind of got on together. Um, ultimately, I didn't get that one. You know, it's it's just you know, I was kind of interested in that at the time. I think you know, my my opinions have kind of changed now, and like. Um, 
And it also because it led into TV. Yeah. The, the, and, and the big thing about doing that, and I think TV is kind of another good thing that a, a director should do because it, it, it requires you to park your ego at the door. Yeah. Right. Like you can't go in with, with, a, with the regular director's ego because um, it's not your baby. Mm. You're there to facilitate and, you know, create this other person's or, or people's baby. Mm. It's, it's their thing. But you're there to do you know, a job. It's yeah. a slightly different job. Um, they, you know, depending on what show you're on or whatever. With Game of Thrones, people are I mean, an absolute joy to work with because yeah. they want they want the directors to bring their ideas to the table. They want that creative collaboration. Yeah. Um, and it was you know, it was a real pleasure to do that. Within something like Game of Thrones, would your I mean, are your ideas? It would be great to get this shot. I mean, presumably story wise and script wise, it's fairly locked in. Uh, for the most part, yeah. Yeah. Um. There's a few things. I mean, probably more on the second one. So, mm. the way that that worked was, um, uh, I think it was after Centurion. Uh, I'd seen Game of Thrones season one come out, and yeah. I was kind of like, "Wow, that looks like a pretty good show." Mm. It was still on the bubbles. It wasn't the big thing at that. I remember yeah. you, you got it on the cusp. You must have had it just as it was hitting big. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I'd I'd got my agent to say, you know. Just ask HBO, see if there's a chance of directing an episode of that. It looks mm. pretty good. Um, at that point, um, Salador Films had stopped making. I, I just done Centurion with Salador Films. Mm. They'd stopped making movies. Yeah. Pathé were going strictly distribution, so they weren't going to produce any more movies or whatever. Mm. So it was like my sources of movie making finance were kind of drying up in yeah. the UK. Yeah, and I have to really find new ones. Yeah, and I, sure. anyway, I, I was looking for other ones, but not really having much luck. Mm. So I was kind of like in a bit. I didn't really know where I was going career-wise. And then um, I got a phone call one Saturday morning from the producers of Game of Thrones saying, would you like to come and direct an episode of Game of Thrones? And it was mm. like, well, be, yeah, absolutely. When is it? Like next month, next year? When is it? And like, uh, this was on a Saturday. It was like, <laughs> you've got to start 9 o'clock Monday morning. Wow. And we're shooting next week. Whoa. Uh, wow. You'll have a week's prep. Oh, and by the way, it's our biggest episode ever. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> what had happened? Can you, can you talk about what had happened... So presumably the previous director, or what, what, why suddenly I gather you... the previous director had, had to leave for whatever reason, I Fine, don't know yeah. why. So it's, it kind of left them in the middle of prep, and they were in the lurch. And it was the stunt coordinator, Paul Herbert, and the horse master, Camilla Napru, um, had a pro- were both working on Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and they'd both worked on Centurion. Ah. And they approached the producers and said, this guy will sort you out. Oh, wow. know, and they would like said, here's, here's his phone number. Yeah. Here's Centurion. Look at what he did. Like, you know, look Amazing. at the battle he did in <clears throat> yeah. three, three days or two days or whatever it was in Centurion for no money. Yeah. Um, give him a call. And they, so they called me up and they were like, yeah, but you've got a week's prep and that's it. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Of course. Yeah. You're like, and throw yourself course, in. Yeah. And so I was, I watched the whole first season on the Sunday, flew over to uh, Belfast on the Monday morning, started work nine o'clock and the next, Saturday, I think it was, we started shooting. But everything wow. else you've done, so everything I think you'd have done at this point would have been yeah, a, a pet project of yours, something you'd have devised. Yeah. So this, is this the first time you're slotting into a pre-made? Yeah. And so, and you, you've well, yeah. it was it was the first time I was kind of being a director for high. It was the it was the first TV job I'd ever done. Yeah. So wow. uh, it was a whole new experience. But I think in some ways it was probably better that it was it was a baptism of fire. So it was probably yeah. better that it was just like in at the deep end, hit the ground running. Yeah. You got a week to prep it. And within that week, we did a lot. Yeah. And they still, they wanted my ideas. And, and I think like on that, on that episode, it was the, the thing I, I, I designed and invented was this a boat. It was a boat that would come on the shore. They'd roll it over onto its back and it would become like this turtle shell uh, um, 
thing yeah. that they carry off with a battering ram underneath yeah. for hitting the gate. And basically, I, I brought kind of military strategy to the script. Because in the yeah. script that I read, it was kind of like, they're all attacking this gate. Yeah. And it's like yeah. there's 400,000 of them all attacking a gate. It's just going to be a massive queue. Nobody could be, you know, yeah. they should bring ladders and attack the wall and, you know, go up ladders and make it a much more military, you know, yeah. kind of affair. And, um, and, and, you know, they invited all those ideas on board and we applied them to the episode and it was great. Yeah. Um, with the, with the next one, Watchers on the Wall, I had like f- four weeks to prep that one. Yeah. And Which is still quite a, you know, or fairly sure. so well, big, obviously big certain things are already in place as yeah. a TV mm-hmm. show but other things are new to that episode yeah. um, but with that one they let me go off script in a couple of ways of like I added in this big 360 shot yeah. um, around Castle Black which was like I think one of my favourite shots ever yeah. um, tying all the characters into the action sequence um, which was not in the script yeah. um, I added in you know we had this problem of all these characters standing on top of the 700 foot wall mm. and these people attacking from below and there's no danger there's no element of danger to the mm. people on top of the wall because yeah. no, you know, no arrow can get that far and I said well you've got giants haven't you can't the giants have like massive bows yeah. and wouldn't that be like sort of yeah. artillery yeah. <laughs> so we gave the giants a bow and the giant could shoot guys off the top of the wall and then yeah. we had this idea of like what if he shoots a guy off the top of the wall and he flies through the air and he lands in the middle of castle black yeah and it's like tying it's just tying all the action in together yeah so and they were they were totally kind of open to these ideas and concepts and things like that so that was great yeah. really really great and what was the difference between say making a feature film and doing tv in terms of the layman's terms of set update or is it very similar just making a feature film over a longer period of time or um well, it's making a feature film over a shorter period of time. Shorter period. Um, you know, whatever, you know, you're shooting an hour's worth of TV, but, um, you know, you get, what was it, 15, 16 days to do it. Right. Um, and it's big stuff. It's, like, really elaborate stuff. Mm. Um, so, but the, but the big thing was, is, like, you you park your ego at the door. You, you, you're you there to, to make their... Serve the story. Yeah, and, and you're not yeah. there to bring some kind of crazy mm. individual style to it or anything like that. It's, like, you can't take it and crazy directions mm-hmm. um you've got to serve the story you've got to serve the, the show yeah and that's fine it's kind of in some respects it's kind of like okay great i'll do this i'll do the best job possible and then i can go and sleep at night mm-hmm. what do you give what do you <laughs> so, give an actor that's you know they've done two series three series yeah, of this character yeah. what do you on the day what do you turn up and give them you know well that, yeah they well, don't know already well that's another thing of of you know you can't pretend to know their character better than they do when they've been doing they it know, for wow. yeah. years um, in some cases. So it's like you don't go in and, and pretend like you do, but you do give them ideas. Yeah. Um, and 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 most of the, you know, in fact, everybody I've worked with on a TV show have been very, very pleasant, very, very open to ideas and suggestions. Yeah. And, you know, they want all that kind of stuff. They want you to direct them. They want, you know, they want some ideas. It's so, the danger from some directors that they turn up and it's like, well, you know what you're doing. I'll leave, I'll leave you to do your thing and I'll do mine. Or is there a, or, um, or ultimately is, it, is an actor looking for, they want, because they've done it so long, they want. I think you. I think they're always looking for ideas of where the character can go and 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 stuff they can do with it. Um, I remember with uh, uh, Lena Headey um, in episode in episode um, Blackwater. Yeah. Uh, you know she's getting drunk in the basement with with um, uh, with all the women, and, and I was talking to her about it, and I, and I, I said I think you should just act like you know the, the drunk aunt at a wedding. You know, it's just yeah. kind of Larry and saying inappropriate things all the time. And she was like, that's, I love that. She was like, yeah, let's just right. go with that. Hopefully <laughs> well, it helps you got a working relationship with her as well, of course. You know, yeah. previously that's kind of always had. Nice to see a familiar face. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, so like in that case, it was Liam because you know yeah. Liam Cunningham was in it, and I worked with him twice already. Of course, so yeah. So I've got to and we'll do again. I imagine. I sincerely hope so. Yeah. Um, so that was a joy to like you got to work with him again. Yeah. But, yeah. And what happens when it came out when Game of Thrones the episode came out and they did so well, and then you got Emmy nominated for. Mm. But, mm-hmm. I mean, wow, that must have just been quite special especially after all that time of trying to make things and things maybe not going oh, where you wanted yeah i mean by that point i guess i'd, I'd done a few more tv things i'd done black sales and I'd done hannibal mm. oh actually no, i hadn't done hannibal yet i'd done constantine um and yeah yeah to get to get to go to the emmys and be nominated and stuff like that i was wow. it was just unfortunate i was up the same year as true detective season one so but where are they now yeah exactly where's carrie um so <laughs> you're like oh okay, okay. <laughs> but um you know but at the it was like at the at the party for after the emmys the HBO party, I was like approached by two different people and one was like, come and do an episode of Sherlock and then another one was come and do an episode of Hannibal. Yeah. Um, Brian Fuller came up and was like, oh, you know, congratulations. Will you please come and do an episode of Hannibal? And, you know, in the back of your mind, you're kind of thinking, oh, it's another, it's, you know, it's, it's a party. He doesn't really mean yeah, it. Yeah, it's just saying you know, it. He's just saying it, whatever. Yeah. Whatever, I'll take it with a pinch of salt. Um, and the next morning, like, an offer arrived on my desk. It was like, come and do an episode of Hannibal. It was like, oh, I love this guy. He's yeah. so genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. And, and it was like, I've got to be loyal to that. So mm. I went off and did Hannibal, and it was great. Yeah. Right. Any differences there between that and what you brought to it in TV? Hannibal world? was a little bit more severe in like having to stick to the style of the show mm-hmm. because it was such an incredibly stylized show. Yeah. Um, and so I tried to sneak in like a fast track. And they were like, Ooh, "Oh, really? No, you have to go Hannibal speed. You have to go <laughs> fan- Everything slow. is slow. Very slow. slow tracks. Yeah. I was like, can I put in a zoom? Ooh, Ooh no I don't zooms. Know about that. Um, <laughs> okay. But that was like the, the, the you know because the DP was very very much a part of the creative process on that one. Yeah. He'd given it to show its look. Yeah. Um, so lenses, camera, all predecided. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, but yeah. Never thing. It's, they're going to be good camera lenses. It's not going to be a problem. Yeah, it was never. It was never dreadful. But it was just like okay. So I'm just I'm doing that. But then you. You set up the scenes, you set up the, the locations, you set up all that kind of stuff, and just you know make try and make make it your own. And and, and actually, what they did what was a lot of fun on that one was that that uh, Brian Fuller did like say, you know, really this is this is an art house movie disguised as a TV series. Mm-hmm. So if you have any like absolutely off the wall ideas, like please just throw them out there, and yeah. we'll see, you know, and and let your inner artist come out. Yeah. And and I'd never really done that before. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, okay, let's get wacky with this. And yeah. so uh, I came up with stuff like, there's a scene where he goes, he goes to the crime scene and you, ha- you have all those red strings everywhere. Mm. And I thought, oh, let's go to some red dragon and stuff like that. Could we do a shot where, like, you know, we have all these red strings coming out from behind his back, like wings, wow. like dragon wings. Yeah. And, and they were like, yeah, I love it. Let's do that. So we did that. And then we did a, a thing that the red dragon guy was looking at old, video old film he was looking at old uh, cine film mm. and i said i would love to see a scene where like the film wraps around his head and like light comes out of his eye through the film and like projects his inner thoughts on a wow. wall and they're like yeah let's do that and they did it. it was super quick but they did it and it was like oh that's cool very, <laughs> so it's just like the cool. most weird pretentious ideas you can come up with yeah. it's like yeah we love it let's get them in there that's great that's yeah. nice though isn't it that you can have, be that free yeah. and then I mean, it's, it's, so much of it is and, and why I've loved working in the TV zone and although you know I'm, I'm itching to get back and do my movies and stuff and do mm. uh, more independent movies again um, the variety of stuff I've got to do 
mm. like to do from Game of Thrones to Black Sails. You know, I never thought I'd ever get to do pirates. Yeah, exactly. You know, pirates yeah. on on a galleon. Oh. You know, like oh, amazing. Yeah. And then Westworld, I got to mm. do like you know Western shootouts. Uh, work with Anthony Hopkins, yeah. stuff like that. My oh. God, never thought I'd get to do that. Yeah. Um, Constantine, demons, whatever, and then you know Hannibal and uh, timeless and time travel and blowing up the Hindenburg. Just the variety and getting to do maybe two or three, maybe even four projects a year is like just jumping from thing to thing. It's 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 a real pleasure to do that and work within that environment. But at heart, I always you know I've always had a hankering or a hunger to get back to, it. and I've always been writing stuff as well. But I just right. always wanted to get back to doing. Your My own movies, getting again, another yeah. tattoo again, and getting yeah, another yeah. Tattoo. you know, this army yeah. is another more needs it. But, uh, Black Sail, if I, were you more involved in the evolution of that? Exactly. Earlier, you well, well, you're on yeah, with Black Sail. Stuff that um, there's a few things: Black Sails, uh, Constantine, and Timeless, because I mm. did, you know, did the pilots mm. essentially for those. And so, yeah, you have to be involved way more in the, in the overall feel and look of the, of the, the show because yeah. you're gonna you're gonna be setting the tone, yeah, for the rest of the show. So, yeah, you are more heavily involved in that. And, that, and that's a great process as well. And how, how so if you're, uh, is Black Sail Michael Bay, is it Platinum Dunes, is it? Yeah. Those guys? So how, how involved are those guys and how, because you seem like you would have very different ways of working yourself and Michael Bay. Uh, we, yeah, I mean, we, that's, that's a giant guess on my part, but I'm just, uh, you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, no denying that. Um, well, he, I, I never met him. I spoke on the phone with him for about 10 minutes. I mean, there, there was a Platinum Dunes exec, producer with us all the time right but bay himself was like on the fringes mm -hmm. and i think the only instruction i ever got from him was like i want a shot where there's this the the, the galleon is sitting on the, the water and you go you dip beneath the water and see it's full of sharks and i was like okay, okay. and we got that shot <laughs> um but then on the phone he was kind of like it's all he, he his instructions to me was um, I know you're going to do a great job, but it's all in the close-ups. You've got to get those. You've got to get those faces. That's where the emotion is. Mm. And I was kind of like, uh, but, "Have you seen the descent? The movie I made? It's such that amazing like, clip." Like, <laughs> but your films aren't all in close-up. It's like you know, and people. I was, I was like, people have these big TVs now. For the most part, people have big TVs and they want to watch big stuff. And they yeah. want they watch they'll watch Transformers on on the TV, and mm. they want their TV shows to look as good as that. They don't yeah. want to everything to be in close up. It's not, yeah, the, it's not the fifties anymore. It's so, true. so it's like, that didn't make any sense to me. I was like, well, while we're building ships, we're building huge sets. You want me to shoot it all in close up? No way. Yeah. I'm like, I'll get the close ups when they're needed, when it's essential. Like, but essentially we, we want our TV to look like movies. We want yeah, those production values and we want it to feel that way. We don't want it to feel like TV anymore. Um, why are we doing these lavish visual effects if we're just going to go in close up? So mm. I kind of disagreed with them on that one. I didn't quite get that, but yeah. but, you know. but, but you did it and ticked the box and said thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good thing is no one would know no one would know how many close ups you intended. You say, yeah, I yeah, added yeah. more. We you know, you just, you yeah. Yeah. just say, yeah, yeah. I well, there's plenty of close ups in, yeah. in the episodes. You know, there's plenty yeah. where they where they're required. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. You know, but certainly, I put in the spectacle where that was required. Yeah. yeah, it seems like a really strange bit of feedback specifically from someone a filmmaker like him it seems really strange yeah. you know mm. um but hey well, it hey was, it was odd. yeah anyway but i didn't yeah, I, didn't, so I didn't i didn't work with him directly i didn't so, so then, yeah okay. and then you went from tv into hellboy which we can't talk about with embargo at the moment and where it's at 
um, which is great because you filmed in the same place as I did. And as I mentioned to you, I came to set and saw you for a brief moment. Did it until Neil kicked you off. Who's that guy? Get him off. What did you see, Giles? What did you, what did you I saw him working with David Harbour. Yeah. Um, it was this beautiful, beautiful, lavish set. And I just saw him being very intimate and working very closely. And it was fascinating to watch all these huge crew yeah. in the background waiting and just going, cool, right. And it was just really nice to see Neil working almost like an independent filmmaker and just still doing what he yeah. did brilliantly, which was just talking to the actor and going, come on, let's do it again. And heard them do the scene and do it again and do it again. It's fascinating. Move on. Yeah. Cool. So, so yeah. that's how, that's how, which we can't talk about because of the embargo. Well, so then you carried on and you making more TV with Lost in Space. I mean, that must have been a brilliant experience. Yeah. Well, I get you. Lost in Space was a combination of all the, all the previous TV stuff put together um, mm. of, I was developing it for several years uh, before we eventually got to make it, um, uh, working with the writers and creating the whole show. And then we got off the ground with Netflix and then I directed you know, the first two hours of it. Um, and again, it was, it was setting the tone of being part of the design of mm. everything, the spaceships and the, the, the sets and choosing locations and, and such like, and the costumes and, you know, really being hands on on that. So it was, it was like doing a major, uh, feature film really because you know we had pretty solid budget on it yeah. and um and great and it was you. a big sci-fi thing you know it was like yeah. to build our own spaceship and walk around our own spaceship yeah. set and real... you could design that from the ground up like yeah. say like your own feature and having your stamp on it must have been fascinating yeah, very How much so yeah. remove uh, so because you got two iterations of lost in space before did you look at those at all no well i mean well, obviously you're familiar with the with the original yeah uh, but didn't look at kind Hopkins's of avoided first. that one i was yeah. i knew it yeah but i didn't see any reason to kind of specifically avoid it but yeah you know, but it was we knew we were setting a, a whole new tone and a look for this yeah and you know that's what we did and it's um it was you know it was an amazing experience i got to go and film on top of a glacier outside vancouver and and you know i love doing that kind of crazy yeah. shit yeah <laughs> just amazing yeah. are you ever conscious on an episode you know are you is it in the back of your mind there's been a lot of directors before you and there'll be ones after you what the person previously has done or you know is that ever a consideration or do you think again you know how would they do it versus how you would do it or is I it just never thought that never crossed just, my mind it is just uh it never crossed my mind i think uh, i always figured that actually the pe- people who are steering the ship are not the previous directors or the directors to come it's sure. the showrunners or the writers yeah uh and on, on those particular shows and it's like and if i feel if i'm stepping out of line somewhere or if i'm taking it in a direction that they don't like they'll yeah. they'll rein it back in mm-hmm. yeah. and if the previous director's done the same thing they would have reined it back in so yeah. that, you know they're, they're steering you know that ship in particular course so it's not up to me to worry about what the previous director's done yeah, yeah. um and and you know the one before that the one before that it's like okay i'm just i'm i'm doing this episode and it's specific to me just funneling Amazing. that yeah great creativity um just a, a quick question here, i've sort of written down but what rule do you think you should break to be successful oh god yeah well left field but that- that would imply that there's some kind of me- secret to being successful. Sure. And, and if I knew that, <laughs> um, but in terms of what rules should you break? So I think basically our filmmakers are, that listen to this going, okay, cool. How do I get there? How do I keep going? And like say, what do you sort of change? What rule could you break to sort of go, okay, h- how can I step up? Um, I don't know. It's all about persistence. It's all about, getting getting you know have, it, it all boils down to the, the material yeah you know at the end of the day it's like you've got to you're going to push to get the material as good as possible get that script good because mm-hmm. you you know you, if you haven't got a good script 
you're never going to make a good film. I mean, sure. you know, that I think that, yeah, that's the big starting point and, and just push and push and push and work. And what is it? Robert McKee's golden rule. Thou yeah. shalt rewrite. Uh-huh. You know, so, story, story, story. Um, so that's a big thing, but it, I don't know. It's just, it's just be, being stubborn and, and mm-hmm. dig your heels in and just not give up because right. it's so, you know, it, everybody's pushing to get you out of the industry and you've just got to force your way in. Yeah. So you must have had Great. as well, and this is obviously we push and push and say on this podcast about how you need to stay positive and keep pushing, but you must have had yourself, as we all have, moments where, where it's been a low so, point or, or two. Well, certainly it was a low point after Doomsday came out. You know, it's kind of thought that I didn't know what was going to happen then. I thought maybe mm. I'll never get another job again, you know. And was there a moment of like, you know, all these not returning my calls and it was only yeah. a that And then after Centurion as well, because it was a long period, because it was, it was a good year, two years before game of thrones came along mm. and that period of time was like you know what am, what am i going to do wow and um, lots of projects not happening at that point or was yeah, it i was like trying it was trying to get stuff off the ground yeah. uh looking for other films you know seeing if any offers came in things like that yeah and a lot of waiting around and um and there's certainly been times when you're like you know especially around that time because making independent films um, you know, actors can go from project to project to project quite quickly, or, yeah. and crew can. Mm. But writer directors or whatever, you you, it's like a almost a year you're putting into each project, and then it can be like a dry period of maybe uh, you know two three years before the next one comes along, mm. and that's kind of soul destroying. That's that's hard. If you can get into something, anything straight away, you know, just keep keep the ball rolling constantly, mm. yeah. try and get the next one off the ground as soon as possible. Um, keep that momentum going. I think momentum is everything because if if you leave it long enough, people you, and it is the the industry has a short memory, mm. and you know if you if you're out of it for too long, they forget about you, or um, you know, and 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 there's also that kind of stupid thing, especially in LA, but I guess it's here as well. It's like you know you're only as good as your last picture, kind of thing. Mm, yeah. And if you know if, if if you haven't had so much luck on the last one, you kind of tarred with that brush for quite some time. Yeah. And you got to kind of fight your way back in again. Yeah. So it's I don't know. It's 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 not easy, but it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Okay. Um. I mean, what the hell else am I going to do? Sure. <laughs> teach at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so those who can't teach. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that the same? I know he can. Though, he so can yeah, though. Yeah, so yeah. Absolutely. But um, that's great advice. It is great advice. It is keep going. You yeah. Know? I don't. Uh, what rule would you break? I mean, the thing is to try and wh- wherever possible, try and break some rules. Mm-hmm. Try and do something different. I mean, the first thing is to say there are no rules. There shouldn't be any rules. Yeah. Not when it comes to to making films. Um. So, the the first rule is remember there are no rules. Nice. And just you know, tell the story. Yeah. However you choose to tell it, but tell it well. Neil, this has been. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I Thank really you. appreciate it. It's like Neil Marshall retrospective, but so, it's been so much of use. It really has. Can so we much ask about Neil's new film? Yeah, why not the reckoning? Is that right? okay, Neil? Can we ask can we talk we about, that? about that? Yeah, so, Let's do that. Yeah, what's next? Tell us. Oh, that's uh signed agreements, insurance well, releases. Knocking stuff knocking, yeah. yeah, don't really Who won what award? Um, Who didn't? Yeah, so yeah, you know, in, in a way, um I'm very excited that I'm kind of going back to my roots a yeah. little bit, coming back to the UK, shooting a um a low budget indie horror. Yeah. Um, um yeah, which I've co written. Great. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking forward to getting into it. It's gonna be tough. So, you know, it's like it's t- very tight going budget, back. Yeah, sure. very tight schedule and um, it's, we're going to be going hell for leather. But I think in some respects I've learned a lot from working in TV of like working fast. Good. Um, 
and I kind of like to work fast anyway. I like to keep that momentum. Yeah, on. me too. So yeah, kind of getting back into to scaring the pants off people. Great, oh, yeah. and that's what it is. It's a it's a horror. It's a straight out horror. The reckoning. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's um it's a period horror. Mm. The one thing I've never been accused of is not being ambitious. Okay. Um, so you know we're trying to do a low budget period horror, UK based. Um, you know that doesn't necessarily say it conform to you know what Blumhouse is making or what James Wan's making. Sure. Um, trying to be different, trying yeah. to be original. I always wanted, as I said, I, I, I've no interest in doing kind of generic horror. I want to try and do something different every time. Um, it's a very, it's a, it's a female led piece again. So I guess I'm kind of going back to my descent roots a little bit mm-hmm. with that. Um, but it's a, and it's a very topical story about um, witch hunts. Great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Filming in March. Is that right? Filming in February. Yeah. February. Yeah. Wow. That's soon. That's, that's yeah, yeah, we're, full we're, prep we're, now, right? Yeah, we're in prep now. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. And you, well, we do know Craig Conway's in it, but you can't release the rest of the cast yet, or can you say who's in it? Uh, the, the, well, we got a few people on the way. Um, uh, Darren Morfitt. Yep, great. Is coming back. Him in. Um, and the lead is played by my co-writer, um, Charlotte Kirk. Great. Um, so, yeah, very, very excited about that. Very yeah. excited. That's Fucking brilliant! I can't wait for the yeah, very exciting. What's the plan? Any ideas when that might be? We might be able to see it, or is it? Uh, Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Just it's all. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. When can know? we see it? What's the release yeah. date? Is that the I don't know. Okay. Shoot well, it. Let me shoot it first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll let you exactly. Back. Okay, Great. Good. I wish you so much luck with that. I can't wait to hear more about that. Very, and I think we should yeah. get you back on to do a reckoning special. If you're up for that, yeah. let's do it. Perfect. Well, he's not going to say no now. He's I know, that's but why he did it. It'll be the email I later. Like, yeah, no, Charles, I'm really busy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> telling you. <laughs> really busy. So, uh, Neil, this has been honestly amazing. Thank you. Um, what, people can't follow you online. You've not no Twitter. Instagram. Face. you got Instagram. Great. Okay. What's yeah. your Instagram so people out there can uh, follow What's it? Neil Marshall uh, underscore director, I believe, for this. Perfect. Good. What kind of stuff do you generally uh, Insta? What's your? What, is it cups of coffee or are you more? Are you of, behind the scenes, man? Uh, it's, it's a behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me on set. Anything the cool stuff. Fine. I mean, at the moment, yeah. I, I like I've been posting a lot of stuff that's from my old shoots and things like that. I'm trying to find personal photographs that I've taken. Yeah. Because mm. um, I, I usually have a camera on set and I'm always knocking off shots. So I'm trying to, you know, post stuff like that at the moment. But then until you know, once we get on with the reckoning, I'll stop. You know posting some stuff teasing some well. images great yeah Perfect. love it love it um, you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod you can follow me at Giles Alderson CJ at C James Direct Perfect. Being prepared is everything you can make your indie film, but know who your audience is and get out there and do it. And remember, if you're lucky enough to do well and rise up, it's your duty to send that elevator back down. Um, if you have any questions, do get in touch. Do get in touch. Oh, you were doing. I was going to say, Josh, you warmed so up. You're on fire. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it is. Again, Neil, thank you so much for your time. Oh, cheers. We will see you next Tuesday, as always. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.